You know, you watch that. We're starting, uh, we're continuing the series called Puzzled. And you watch that video. I've watched that video a couple times. And there is a puzzling aspect to the video because, as you know, just because it says it's all Christian doesn't mean that that was all Christian, right? And so as we talk about this idea of being puzzled and that life can be puzzling and um, there's a challenge because sometimes when we read God's Word, it's puzzling. This morning, we're going to look at that idea of what has God done, what has Jesus done, and how can it impact our lives. And this morning, as I was preparing for this and thinking about this, it reminded me of that moment in my life when I realized that not everybody believes the same thing, right? Even in this room right now, not everybody believes exactly the same thing. And the puzzling thing, as you look at that video and the map and, you know, there's just a lot of views of life and where we came from and why we're here and what's going to happen next. And so it poses the question, it's the question that I struggled with in my early 20s, and maybe you're struggling with it this morning, and maybe it's a question that you think about when you're here at church. Is this real? Is this real? Like, are what we're doing right now, is it real? Is this the truth? How much impact can Jesus really make? How much impact is, has he made? And how much impact can he actually make in my life? Is it just a nice thought or is it a real thing? And I think it's important for us to ask these questions. I think it's important for us to, to struggle with these things sometimes. And this morning, as we talk about the idea of puzzled, and and maybe you've been in church your whole life, or maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church, my encouragement to you, whatever questions you have, God wants to hear them. He embraces them. We're told in Scripture, he says, Seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so that's what we want to do. That's why we're here. We want to to connect to God. We want to hear from God. My prayer is that this isn't just something to do on Sunday for you, but this is a place where you genuinely hear from God and that throughout the week you hear from God and that this is an ongoing relationship you have and that it matures and grows you. And if you're here this morning and you're just kind of checking it out, that's my communication. That's what we're here about is to connect to God. And we believe when Jesus died on that cross, he gave us access to truly, authentically, in a real way, communicate and connect to our Creator. And so as we look at this idea of what impact has Jesus made, not only in the world, not only here in in Gaten, but in our individual lives, what does His Word have to say to us? So let's proceed it with prayer and ask the Lord to talk to us. If you would pray with me, please. Father, As we sing these songs, Lord, it is just, it's words, but when we think about the words, it is so much bigger. You're bigger than what we thought. And Lord, we've come here this morning and we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want to sense you in our hearts and our lives. We want to know what is true and what is right. 
And Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, even now. Search our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that wherever we're at in our journeys, wherever our stories are at right now, that you would speak directly in a clear way, that it makes sense to us, that we can understand it, that we know what you want us to know so that we can do what you're teaching us to do. Lord, I pray that as we go through this, this journey in your word, as we look at what you taught while you were here on earth, and Lord, as we contemplate it and we, um, we dissect it and think about it and apply it, Lord, I pray that you would protect us on that journey, that you would help us to, to trust you through that, and that, Lord, as we go from here, that, Lord, we would live this and know this and be this, not just here in this moment, but all the moments of our lives. And Lord, I am so thankful that you have, you have seen the future, you know the future, and we can trust that your kingdom is, is, is being built and will come. And so, Lord, we are grateful for that. Help us to understand that. Thank you for your words. Thank you for speaking to Matthew. Thank you for Matthew taking the time to record what he saw and heard for us this morning. Blessed as we read it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking at the book of Matthew. It's part of the New Testament. Um, and this is the account of a guy who was a tax collector who was recording exactly what he heard and what he saw while he followed Jesus. And as we go through this, I just want to give you some insight. Last week I talked about this a little bit. I want to give you some helpful tools that have been very helpful for me. Because as a young person, um, most of my young life, I wasn't that interested in the Bible. It seemed like an old book that churches dealt with, but it wasn't that relevant to me. And it's any, that's anything but the truth. And I would encourage you that we all have this amazing tool um, that we can use, that we can connect with God through his words, but it's not always easy. Sometimes it feels like a puzzle. Sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes it doesn't connect well, or there are questions, things that don't make sense, things that seem like they've been disproven, things that seem out of place. And so I would encourage you, here are some tools when you come up to those things. Um, I recently purchased this Bible. It is a Bible that has areas to take notes. And so if I have a question, I have a concern, you're reading something, something jumps off the page, how could that be true? Is this real? God, this doesn't make sense to me. Write it down. Now, will he give you the answer in that moment? Maybe, probably not. But I do believe when you search, and I found this to be true in my own life, when you have questions, he doesn't give you necessarily the direct answer, but he gives you peace. And he gives you answers that lead you to peace and lead you to hope and something you can build the foundation in. And so I'd encourage you, if you don't already, have a place to take notes, ask questions, write down things you remember, write down things that God inspires you with. Another resource I use when I speak and when I prepare in my own life are commentaries. What commentaries do is they give you a background. They give you uh, the perspective of the people that lived in the time in which these things were happening. And so when Jesus is teaching to a crowd, you're going to have some background in what did that crowd understand that he was saying. And so many of the things we look at and we dive and we want to know more and we want to hear from God, it is helpful when we know what the initial hearer heard. And so these are a couple of tools, but more importantly than all the tools that you can use, whether it's online, whether it's cross-referencing, interpretations, all of these different things, it's prayer that really reveals things to your, your heart. Nothing has shown me more in Scripture than allowing God through His Spirit to speak clearly what He's communicating. 
are his words to begin with. And so as we go into Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to use some of these tools as we dive into the third of the parables. If you remember, the first parable Victoria shared with us was the, the, the soil and how we have an opportunity to cultivate healthy soil. And one of the areas that we have ownership of, we have control over, is what kind of soil we are as people. And what a powerful thing to think about in this idea of growth, a seed growing within us that produces a fruit that makes a difference, that makes the world a better place because of the fruit that God builds within you through his gospel. The second we talked about last week was the idea that, yes, as you grow and you become this fruit and that God, um, you don't become a fruit, you become fruit in the spirit. And there's this idea that, that around you, weeds will grow. Weeds will grow up, and don't be surprised when you see weeds. Don't be surprised if things aren't perfect. And as I was looking at that map and thinking about this idea, Jesus reveals such a powerful truth. He knows that things aren't always going to be perfect. Things aren't always going to be ideal. Things aren't going to be always as they are perceived. There's going to be challenges in our relationships, in our finances, in our lives. These weeds grow up everywhere. And we shouldn't be surprised when we see them And we have to deal with them And so now he enters this third parable So there's this common theme that we're seeing Throughout the parables of growth And and how there's this amazing thing that can happen But there's also this really challenging thing That can happen to counteract the good And so that's where we begin If you'd follow me, it'll be on the screen um, Or you can look on your phones Matthew 13, 31 says He told them another parable The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. The kingdom of heaven is the same parable that he uses, the same point of of focus is the kingdom of heaven. And this is where it's important, where I use my commentary that I understand that the original hearers of that are thinking Israel, political kingdom, that they're just thinking Jesus, this guy is going to become, he's going to be the authority, he's going to be the emperor, and he's going to tell everybody else what to do, and he's establishing this earthly kingdom, this powerful kingdom. And so it's like, I follow him, and I'm going to get power, and I'm going to get authority. And when he says this kingdom in these parables, he's talking about that, but we know now that he wasn't talking about that. What was he talking about? He was talking about the eternal kingdom, the kingdom that he came to start. And so when we see this idea of a kingdom, it is an amazing thing. And here's why I say it's an amazing thing. Because Jesus, at this point, he's saying that something's going to happen in the future. I know exactly what it's going to be, and I'm going to tell you what it is. And so here's what he says. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. How many of you are like me? And the first thing you thought was this. Mustard, right? The seeds that we make mustard into. I didn't even know how they make mustard. And like the kingdom of heaven is like a hot dog and you put the mustard on it, right? Actually, that would be wrong. And the only reason I know that is because as I dive deeper and I study, what would they understand The mustard seed that is spoken of here is a specific seed that is found in the Middle East. It is a black seed that is just a very simple seed, right? And when it grows, it grows into a bush. And so here's what he says about that. He says, though it is the smallest of the seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree, okay? 
And so there's this simple seed. It's a very simple seed. Now, he says smallest. How many of you are botanists here? Right, anybody? You would know that this isn't the smallest seed in the world. The actual translation means the simplest or smallest of which would be used in their time but they're by them that they would understand. So here's a simple seed. It is the simplest seed that they would have known of because they were farmers and fishermen, and they would have said, oh, this is a simple seed. And yet this simple seed grows into a giant bush or tree. And so this is a picture of what it will look like. This is in Jerusalem. So this is what the mustard seed grows into. And as you see, it sprouts out and branches. And so the hearers of what Jesus is saying, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that is planted and it grows into this bush that is almost a tree. Remember what he kept saying to them. He who has ears, let him hear. It's interesting, out of all the parables, the first two parables, he comes back and he explains it to his disciples. We don't get the explanation of this parable. He doesn't say what it means. And so for his disciples, we have no idea what they interpreted this to mean. Maybe they thought the kingdom would be this earthly kingdom that would take over all. But it's an amazing thing. Because what we've seen throughout history is that this very simple thing, this very simple seed, one man born to parents of very little means, made 12 friends, lost one of them when he died, rose from the grave, 11 of his friends were so scared they ran away, so simple that no one would ever believe this would ever amount to anything. And yet this message has permeated the whole world and has grown and has branched out and the whole world has been affected by the message. Does the whole world believe the message? No. But it has been affected. It has been influenced by this message. And so when we look back and we say, what was Jesus teaching in this parable? He's teaching this principle that this very simple thing that the world would just look at and say, how could anything come from this man or these men or this place or these people? And yet today, 2,000 years later, we're in a room and there's people all over the planet that are meeting, talking about this. And so Jesus reveals the puzzle. It's interesting, in 1 Corinthians 1.27, it says, But God chooses the foolish things or the simple things to shame the wise. He chooses the weak things in the world to shame the strong. That God establishes himself in a simple thing to do a great thing that none of us can truly understand. If this morning, if I had a mustard seed and I handed it to you, or if it was on the floor, you probably wouldn't have even noticed it. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like, I am too simple, I am too small, I am too insignificant. How could I ever be used? How could I ever make any influence? How could my life even matter? What Jesus is saying is I take the simple, and when, when I come within it, I grow something great, something much bigger than could have been imagined. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that if you were to truly commit everything you have to Christ and, and every day you got up and said, I submit this day to you, that that 
thing that which is within you, the Holy Spirit of God, would grow into something beautiful? That his justice would be revealed, that his mercy would be revealed, that his love would be revealed, and it would only grow in you and grow in you and grow in you? And that thing which he plants within this church, the seed that he plants within this church, that it grows and that it's healthy and it grows and it grows and it begins to impact the neighborhoods around it and it impacts the neighborhoods around it and it impacts the city and it impacts the country and it impacts the world, that this very simple thing, how could this church have any impact whatsoever? This simple thing can grow and grow and grow. Is it possible? Is it real? He continues the parable, and I will be absolutely honest with you. I've read commentaries on this. There are varied views. There are opposite views on this. And I would tell you, I don't know for sure what the right view is. But here's what it says. So the birds came and perched in the branches. So this beautiful bush grows up. It's almost a tree, and here these birds come, and they, they make their homes in the nest. Now, one perspective, some scholars will say, well, what Jesus is teaching is that um, the gospel will grow around the world, and hospitals will be started, and schools will be started, and all these wonderful things will be started, and people will find rest and find peace and find hope within the church, within what the gospel has, has given. We do Feed My Starving Children, where we're offering food to people all over the world. Uh, we invest in our community. There's all kinds of things we do here that benefit people that aren't part of our church, because we know that's what we're here to do. And so possibly those birds mean that there are people that are going to be, um, they're going to have benefit of blessing and peace because of the growth of what God is doing within us. And I like that. I think that's an awesome approach. But there's another perspective that says, here, this is the third of his parables. In the first parable, he talks about the birds coming down and sweeping up the seed, and the, that the bird represents Satan and demons taking away the truth of the gospel. And then in the second, that he's talking about the wheat growing, and he says the enemy comes in and plants weeds, and that weeds grow up all around. And here you have a third parable. It's a puzzle. Could it mean that these birds have come in and as we see the growth of the church, let's be honest, the growth of the church throughout history has not been a very clean thing. In 400, when Constantine determined that the Roman Empire would be ruled by Christianity and the church and state became one and it began to expand out, there was misuse of power. There was misuse of money. We still today read regular articles of the misuse of leadership within churches. Could it be that the birds come in when the growth happens and distort and destroy? I think about my own life, the seed that's planted within me, that it grows, and these birds come in, and, and possibly now I have pride, and I have judgmental attitude, and I have a critical attitude, and I treat people differently because I have some sense of being better. Are there birds that have taken nests in my life that have built into this faith and are distorting it? Whatever Jesus was trying to teach, it just has depth and it has this volume of things that I can grow from it. <coughs> Revelation, man. <laughs> 
Revelation 8, 2 says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and haunts and for every impure spirit, a haunt of every unclean bird. So if you're a bird lover this morning, I'm sorry, because he compares birds sometimes to evil. What do I know about life? What have I learned? What is Jesus? He's amazing because he doesn't water it down. He doesn't make it sound like once you become a follower of him, everything's easy and fun and simple, and the seed grows, and everything's perfect, and it just blooms and blossoms. He says, no, there's going to be weeds. There's going to be birds that try to steal the seed. There's all of these challenges. The kingdom of heaven is not easily built. It's hard. Stuff happens. This doesn't make any sense. And it comes back to what the initial question is. Am I willing to trust and believe? Are you willing to trust and believe? Maybe you've recognized this. Maybe you've realized this. I've realized it in a powerful way. Thank you. That's very helpful. <clears throat> Here's what I've realized, and I'm sure you've realized this. No amount of money, no amount of stuff, no amount of success, no amount of whatever the world has to offer will ever truly satisfy you. It'll never be enough. And the truth is, you kind of get to a place where you realize it was a fraud, and you can get bitter, right? All those things they told you about how great everything is, when you kind of pull back the curtain and see some of the realities of life, you feel kind of duped. Because it doesn't really deliver. And what I believe Jesus is saying to these people, what he says to us, is I will plant something within you that will never stop growing. There will never be a limit to the amount of love you can give and receive from me. There is no ceiling. There is no plateau when it comes to my kingdom. And so you decide. We decide tomorrow, we decide Tuesday and Wednesday, we decide. What do I trust? What do I cultivate in my life? Do I allow this seed to grow? Do I water? Do I live within this relationship that has been built in the gospel in me? Or not? Is it real? Can I trust it or not? Jesus has given us these words. He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus' home. And he's inviting us into it. It's a journey with him. And he's inviting us on it. But it takes faith. 
Do I trust that what he's going to grow in me, what he's going to grow in us as a church, what he's going to grow in the church of the world that he's just planted, that it's limitless? I believe there's no limit to what God can do with us. No matter how simple I am, no matter how simple you feel, no matter how simple our church feels, there is no limit to what God can do with us. That is my belief. What is your belief? Have you confessed and believed on the one who brings salvation? He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, you are so, so good. And we are so grateful that you have been true to us and you have been clear in some ways. In other ways, you've caused us to to seek after you even more. Lord, this morning, whatever you're saying to our hearts, I, I don't know what you're saying to everyone. I know what you're saying to me. And I say, please help me. Please help us. We want to invest in this seed that you've planted. We don't want to invest in false seeds. We don't want to let birds steal the seeds. We want to invest in what you have planted in our own hearts, in this church, in this world. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do that. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.